and this would have been in the early 80s, he came up with this idea of buying tacos on Tuesday. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hanging out with us on another episode of Food Marketing Nerds. On the show today, we're talking with Billy Joe Wara, who's the CMO of a brand doing some really interesting things in a sector that is flooded with competitors with some deep pockets. We're talking about Taco John's. Now, here's a fun little fact. Taco John's actually invented and owns the trademark for the term Taco Tuesday. There you go. You've already learned something new and the interview hasn't even started yet. Billy Joe spent the first part of her career in advertising before actually joining Taco John's as their CMO. So she has a lot of great stories and insights that we can just talk about in this interview. In today's episode, you're going to learn how to create demand for your products before you even have a presence in a new market, what you can do to fan the flames around good online conversations about your brand, how to use product innovation to engage a younger audience, and a ton more. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. So, Billy Joe, thanks so much for coming on the show with us. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here to talk about Taco John's. I always appreciate the opportunity to share our story. So, can you start back from, from how you got involved with Taco John's? Sure. So, I've been with Taco John's for about two and a half years. I came aboard as their CMO back in 2014. And then, but prior to that, I was actually with the marketing firm or the advertising agency that is the agency of record for the brand. So I've been with Taco John's for over eight years in various aspects, but now I'm sitting on this side of the table overseeing all their marketing efforts. And it's always interesting to me, people who come from the agency side to going on to the brand side, especially when you go straight to, to the CMO position. Is there anything that, any perspective that you gained from working with being on the advertising side and in an agency side and then working on the brand side that you couldn't have gotten without without getting that brand side experience? Sure. I think that whenever you come and you work on the client side, you're definitely taking a more holistic view of the entire side of the business. So certainly things that we didn't talk about at the agency where I worked, but still, you know, had a major role with Taco John's is we didn't talk about operations or training or recruitment or food cost. And those are certainly things sitting on this side of the table or working with the brand or working within the walls of Taco John's that you certainly have to think about more. In my role, I oversee both R&D or menu innovation as well as marketing. And so certainly pulled a lot more into supply side and logistics than I was working with the advertising agency. On the advertising agency side, you know, we get to talk and think about marketing 24-7 as it pertains to not just Taco John's, but all of our clients. And so there's definitely pros and cons about where you're sitting um, and the perspective that you bring to each conversation. So is there anything, again, having come from the agency side that you are able to implement and make sure that you are facilitating the most creative and productive environment when you're working with outside agencies? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly when you work within an advertising agency, you're part of a team that involves creatives or media partners or account people. And so my background in the agency is I oversaw our research and strategy piece. So we always represented the voice of the consumer. And so on the now being part of the brand and working inside the walls of Taco John's, I definitely get to bring that voice up more front and center than maybe I um, had before. While it's always important to always be able to bring that into every conversation, 
I think is part of what makes our brand successful is to really think about our customers and think about them all the time. And I, I know that's something that Taco John's does really well. You guys are, are growing quickly. So how many how many different locations do you guys have and, and in how many states? Yeah, so we have almost 400 locations across 25 states, and we've really built or reopened and, and built new about 12 new locations over the last year. So that's really exciting. We also are planning to open, you know, a very similar number next year and really expand the footprint. We have locations that we're looking at in Nashville, in the Nashville DMA, as well as Indianapolis. Our fans in Indianapolis have been waiting a long time for Taco John. So uh, we get probably emails and voicemail messages or uh, social media messages from the Indianapolis market asking, when are you guys opening? So we'll definitely be opening there in 2017. And then we have some other East Coast locations as well. We're working on a location with a franchisee in the JFK airport in New York and have multi-store plan um, that will hopefully come to fruition in, in the New York City boroughs as well. So it sounds like you guys have this, this kind of pent-up demand in these cities that you're not even in yet. How do you get that? How's that? How do people find out about you before you're even in their city? Yeah, I think we're this really iconic brand that's been around for you know, over 45 years, we opened in 1969. And we've always done things a little differently than maybe some of our other Mexican fast food competitors. And so if you're from the Midwest, we definitely have a cult like following in our markets. And so um, if you grew up with the brand, you kind of there's definitely a craveable flavor to our potato olays or even our ground beef that's used for all of our tacos and a lot of our menu items and so it is a really unique spice and our flavoring or seasoning I guess is what you'd say and people just love it and you know the most common story that we hear on social media is I wish Taco John's was here I grew up with Taco John's when I go home to visit my parents for the holidays the first place I have to stop is Taco John's and so it's really fun to read that fans have this amazing passion for our brand. And is there any way that you guys kind of like fan the flames when when you have these brand advocates that are calling out the brand and saying how much they miss it? Yeah, we've done some things over the years. You know, we've had different contests and things like that. So about five or six years ago on social media, we had, uh, we really celebrated what we called at the time our TJ Maniacs. And we really would have these mania events where people would you know, post songs or their favorite pictures or talk about their favorite menu items. And then we would reward them with kind of free swag and free deals. And that was really a a hugely successful campaign. And it was fun from our end to really see people that would send in videos, they would make up songs. And we still see that today. So it sounds like giving out, I, I guess, surprising and delighting the the avid fans of the brand, whether it's sending out free product or, or free swag, so stuff like that? Yeah. And we sometimes when we go into a new market, we'll reach out to our current fans that we know are living there and we'll say, hey, we're coming to, you know, market XYZ. Be sure to tell your friends. And, and I think, you know, what we see is more than just free stuff or rewards and surprise and delights is that we're communicating with them and we have uh, in a, in a, a relationship with them that really celebrates kind of the fact that they're in the know and we we appreciate their work on our behalf or their words on our behalf I should say <laughs> hey, yeah and that's that's interesting that you guys have cultivated such a, a, a tight-knit relationship even in in markets where you guys aren't even at yet how do you communicate with 
with a group of loyal fans that are in a different market and target them directly. Yeah, you know, sometimes we'll just reach out to them directly on social media. Uh, you know, it's great with all the data that's out there about where people are commenting from or where their their home base is, especially like on Facebook or some of those platforms. And so we can just kind of do a search of everybody who lives in Indianapolis and has shown us brand love and we'll reach out to them and say, hey, here's some new news for you or, you know, as it feels right. We don't certainly don't want it to feel promotional or false. We really just try to reach out and engage fans when it feels authentic, I guess. And that's probably an overused term, but truly we just want to have real conversations with people when it feels right. And I'm sure that that pays off because it's that authenticity. I mean, that is truly authentic. It's not just being authentic for the for the sake of staying true to a buzzword. It's it's actually being yourself and going out and doing that, which is something cool that I, I haven't heard of any other brands doing. Yeah, it's it's fun. And, you know, the other thing about our brand is I think it, it is truly this phenomenon that started in, with a really interesting story. You know, we started a taco a brand or a taco restaurant that served really unique menu items at the time in a rodeo town here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and way back in 1969 before tacos were kind of so ubiquitous as they are today. And so... You know, we've always been a little bit, I guess, different and kind of put our stake in the ground in, a, in alternative ways. And so it's fun when people really embrace that and accept that. And so are there any other, I guess, processes or, or systems that you guys have? You sounds like you are directly engaging with, with fans that are in a, a new market, um, existing fans. Is there anything else that you guys do to help your, your new franchisees? with uh, a successful store opening or to make sure that the market yeah, knows? Yeah, you know, one of the things that we hear is people, of course, if you if you didn't grow up in one of our markets, they don't know a lot about Taco John's because we kind of are homegrown in the footprint we've been in. But I don't know if your friends know that Taco John's was the original, I guess, creator of the idea of Taco Tuesday. Really? Um, and so that's something that we certainly try to do a lot of education around when we go into a market is that, you know, that idea started from one of our franchisees and we used it to build one of our very first national advertising campaigns. Then from there, we actually own the trademark on it. And so it is something that's iconic to us and, again, speaks to the fact that we've done Mexican in a really original way. And so I, I guess that kind of opens up the, the questions about, so how, when was Taco John's founded and... How did it go from a few taco shops that were in Cheyenne to 25 states and 400 locations? Yeah, so Taco John's was created back in 1969 right here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And it's really interesting in the fact that the first shop, it was truly a kind of a walk-up taco shop that was started during the, we have an annual rodeo event here in Cheyenne called Cheyenne Frontier Days. And so that first restaurant or taco shop was open during the rodeo. Then there were two gentlemen from here in Cheyenne who thought it was a great business idea, and they bought the rights from the guy from the original Taco John to turn it into a franchise. And so John Turner was the original guy who opened up that very first restaurant during those rodeo days. But then it was two more gentlemen, their names were Harold Holmes and James Woodson, who purchased that idea, purchased the license and the seasonings, and then named the restaurant after the man, Taco John's, or John Turner in this case. So 
some interesting things. Uh, Harold Holmes and his wife, Nona, who still lives in Cheyenne today, they weren't restaurant operators. They actually owned a manufacturer. They had a business that manufactured campers and travel trailers under the name Holmes on Wheels. <laughs> and so we always talk internally and we talk a lot about our history and our legacy is that we were almost one of the first street carts or uh, street trucks. When you think about food and how it was distributed and through our brand is that then we would take these manufactured homes or manufactured trailers and that's what the first restaurants were. So if you bought a Taco John's franchise license, we would bring a trailer to you on wheels and you'd set up in a parking lot or you'd set up mm-hmm. on a piece of land. And then over time that turned into permanent freestanding restaurants. But the very first restaurants were manufactured travel trailers. <laughs> it's almost yeah. the food trucking before it was before it was actually yeah, food trucking. It, cool. Yeah, and then so James Woodson was the other entrepreneur who was the other partner, and he was a local realtor. So Harold had the buildings, James had the real estate background, and that's how they really turned turned it from a, an idea that started here into 400 restaurants across the Midwest. So that's just part of our DNA about who we are as a brand. So one of those franchisees, though, in going back to Taco Tuesday, there was a gentleman named Dave Olson who was a franchisee in Minnesota. And for him, he was just trying to come up with a promotion that would drive sales on the slowest day of the week. So for him, it wasn't this, hey, massive advertising campaign or anything. It was truly, at the time, just trying to do something to build awareness about selling tacos. And so... At that time, Taco John's, while we had a number of franchisees, we as a brand weren't doing any sort of national or even coordinated advertising across all the markets. Um, everybody kind of did their own thing way back then, and this would have been in the early 80s. And so he came up with this idea of buying tacos on Tuesday and turned it into Taco Tuesday. So then other franchisees hopped on to that idea, and then that's really what's formed the foundation for kind of our first coordinated national marketing campaigns was Taco Tuesday. And it clearly was successful because everybody is now doing Taco Tuesday. Yeah, it is kind of fun when you like, I don't know if you use Google Maps or, you know, or Google Trends and you can see, Uh like, if you just look for the term Taco Tuesday and see where it pops up, not only across the United States, which is certainly where most of the traffic comes from or the word search term, traffic is, but it's fun to see it across the world, too. (laughs) Um, To think that an idea that started and, you know, that has its roots in Cheyenne, Wyoming, but then really started in the Midwest is now this kind of national term that everyone just kind of takes for granted. And I I take it Tuesday is no longer the worst day of sales? No, it's not. It's actually, it is one of our highest uh, days of the week in terms of sales. And so it's, you know, he had a real impact, but it was really just a really simple marketing idea that turned into something great. And that's pretty amazing. It's it's crazy how a concept like that can be adopted internationally and then just have such a big effect on, right. on a day that was the worst day of sales. Yeah. It's funny how that works, but it, it means that great ideas can come from anywhere. Uh, speaking of which, so it sounds like you guys adopt some ideas that, that your franchisees suggest. Absolutely. You know, we are a system that's 95% or approximately... franchisee owned. So our success is certainly not indicative of the people who only work here in our support center office or our main headquarters office. Our success is built upon the ideas and the hard work of people who invested in the brand, their crew members who are in restaurants and 
and people who wanted to make their local businesses successful. And I feel like that's something really unique to Taco John's is having that, instead of having that, I guess, the idea of everything coming from corporate, going out to franchisees, it's listening to, because you guys are are fostering this entrepreneurship, these entrepreneurs who are opening up their new restaurants. How do you guys facilitate a, a conversation where the franchisees can express their opinions and creativity and feel like they've been heard or that something might actually be implemented? Yeah, so we work very, we have um, a really strong franchise association. So it's the Association of Taco John's Franchisees that we work with on a fairly regular basis throughout the year. We also have a number of committees. Um, some of them are advisory in nature, you know, but it's comprised of franchisees who, you know, have interest in, say, operations or supply chain or technology. And so there's different franchisee committees that we work through. And then there's one board that is elected from franchisees across the system every year. And that is our, we call it our advertising production committee. And that advertising production committee works very closely with our advertising agency as well as Taco John's marketing to really make sure that anything we advertise on a national basis really meets the needs and expectations of the chain. That's interesting. And, and it's, it's clearly working. You guys are launching these initiatives. Yeah, we, that... we're, we have, you know, we have campaigns that work really well and some that work somewhat well, but overall we all know that we had a voice in them. So with Taco John starting in 1969, there's been a ton, it's got a it's got a ton of brand history, but a lot has changed since since then, and especially sure. in the last ten to twenty years. So, how do you guys adjust, or is there a challenge with adjusting or maintaining that history while shifting to a new consumer taste? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question because it's always a balancing act, and it really is a balancing act. But our focus never changes away from our customers. So, whether it's our customers of those who were with us when we first opened in 1969 or in their markets, you know, in the seventies and early eighties, um, those are, those are people who still come into our restaurants on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays when we sell breakfast burritos for a special price. So we always want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our loyalists, we call them, but we also understand that our long-term customer is also influenced by what's really relevant in today's world and you know our audiences of tomorrow we need to inter- make sure that we're showing them who taco john's is and so we talk a lot about millennials we talk a lot about that next generation sometimes it's labeled iGen, sometimes it's labeled gen z whoever those teens and tweens are and even younger we're certainly always innovating and in, in doing things to reach out to people who maybe don't know who Taco John's is or who didn't grow up with a brand because we, while we've been around for over 45 years, we want to make make sure that we're around for another 45 years. So we want to really gain ground with those new types of customers or those new demographics of customers, but we always really value those who have been with us through the long run as well. And so growth for us as a brand is not just about new units or new markets. It's also about really broadening our base of customers who visit Taco John's. Do you have any any examples in particular of, of an initiative that you guys launched where you were targeting a, a younger consumer or at least trying to broaden your, your audience a little bit that, that was successful? Sure. So our, we just added something to our core menu this past year in 2016 that was a result of some successful LTOs or limited time offers. And those that, that idea, that core menu item is the street taco. So the street taco, when it first came out, was really 
uh, directed toward a millennial audience. It was really a, you know, street tacos are a smaller size tortilla. It has some more uh, unique flavors with shredded beef or chicken. It has some really great chimichurri sauce on it, some fresh crumbled Mexican cheese or queso fresco. And it was really a great item, but we built it with knowing the tendencies and the eating habits, dining habits of millennials. But what we saw is that was a great crossover item in that people who were boomers and and maybe more mature audiences who were expecting one thing from Taco John's really appreciated the new flavors that came out in that particular core item. So when we first launched it as an LTO, it was very successful. We launched it again in 2016 as a with a variation of with shrimp for a limited time. It was also very successful. So now it's part of core menu. And that's just an example of how we continue to evolve not only marketing, but also menu and what we offer in restaurants from who we were as a brand that was heavily reliant upon ground beef or, you know, a traditional crispy taco or soft shell taco or even a meat, our iconic meat and potato burrito. But when we introduce the right new menu items, it really does help trans for our business into the future. And I think Street Tacos is a, is a great transition into a, a different or a younger audience. I, I love Street Tacos. Anyone who loves Taco Tuesday, I think, thinks of Street Tacos. So. <laughs> and it's great. And it's, you know, we did that without alienating our loyal fans, but also be offering something that's really relevant to today's menu or today's palettes, I should say. So can you walk us through maybe just a high level of the process of saying, okay, we see that this street taco thing is a is an emerging, I guess, a reoccurring theme in, in Mexican food that a younger generation likes. I guess, how did you guys identify that? And then when did you feel that it was time to, to actually implement that into your own restaurants? Yeah, so it was really um, what we saw is we were actually doing some rebranding work initially when we first put it in front of consumers. So we had been talking, our chefs have been talking about street tacos for a while and really wanted to find an item that would play really well with in terms of that balance between guests. And so we were doing some work in a new market in terms of overall branding. So we were looking at new brand positioning. We were showing guests kind of our menu and what we had to offer to guests who weren't familiar with Taco John's. And during those focus groups, we brought out, you know, things that we had on the menu at the time, one of which was our Baja uh, boneless chicken wings. We also had our traditional menu items like the meat and potato burrito, uh, you know, crispy tacos with our six pack and a pound. We showed them potato lays. And then we were also bringing out new menu items, such as street tacos. And it was crazy, the reaction from all guests on that particular item. They certainly loved, you know, our traditional items, but they showed a huge affinity for some of the new items we were showing. So then we took that information, of course. And it was, it was funny because that wasn't really a focus group about menu. It was really a focus group about just the brand in general. Uh, that we were using. And so then we took that, we further refined the actual menu item into something that would be, you know, actually workable in stores or in our restaurants from an operation, supply, training, all of those logistics. And then we um, put it into test. Once we had that work done, we put it actually into test, which is what we do a lot. We'll actually put it into a restaurant to see if what people say in a focus group room or what they say in an online, you know, kind of panel 
holds true in a restaurant where people put their money down on on an item or be willing to pay for it. And we saw just huge results. Hmm. So from there, then we, of course, put it um, on our calendar for an LTO launch. And it was exciting from start to finish, just received positive, positive comments about it. And so as we look as a brand, you know, Street Tacos not only was an LTO item, it's on our core menu, but it also gives us a platform for future development that is really exciting. And so in 2017, we have some new items that are coming forward that are variations and, and enhancements to our current Street Tacos. Hmm, that's exciting. Yeah. There's some really big players in, in fast casual in the QSR industry. So how does Taco John's, one, differentiate it itself in, in your words? And then how do you guys, what are some of the main ways that you get that message out there? Sure. So, you know, it's a good question. We, um, we've we always seen ourselves and, it, and it's always been interesting about how our customers see us as well. If you don't know Taco John's and you see our drive-through, you see our menu, um, if, for those unfamiliar with the brand, those types of customers or potential customers put us, you know, along the same lines as some of the biggest players in the QSR Mexican space or the fast food Mexican space, such as like Taco Bell or Del Taco, or mm-hmm. they think it's a traditional fast food. But then when we see our current customers and what they pay on their average guest check or what they're willing to pay for some of the higher quality menu items that we offer, we know that we're not, we're not the same. And it's also our guests don't always say, hey, you're a step up from what we see in other restaurants. And so we've always seen ourselves as this kind of stepped up version of a traditional QSR Mexican chain. So a couple of years ago, there was some big movement and big discussion about this category called QSR Plus. And I think Technomics, which is an industry research um, group, they first coined the term QSR Plus. And it is this restaurant category that offers some of the same conveniences and potentially value of a traditional fast food location or restaurant. So it offers a drive-through. It has, you know, an average check between 7 and $10. But on the flip side, taking some cues from the fast casual side of the business, it offers a higher quality. Consumers give it credit for being higher quality, uh, maybe has a higher level of customer service, those types of things. When we saw that definition, it was kind of a crystallizing moment for us because we really, that's the way we see ourselves as QSR Plus. Certainly, there's always work that we can do to make sure that customers see us that way and that even if you don't know our brand or have never walked inside one of our restaurants, that that we get credit for that from a brand awareness standpoint. And that is some of the things that we're working on. But we're always really proud of the quality that goes in to a lot of our handmade salsas, you know, chips and shells are made fresh in our restaurants every day. We're doing a lot of things behind the scenes that I don't know that people just see as they come through our drive through And so it's always looking for ways to tell that story. So it's more letting the product itself tell the story and then let your, your brand advocate group grow and, and spread the word for you, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Well, we certainly have always thought that we could rely on the food to tell the story because people know that there's just something better about it. But I think we have to take a more active role in telling that story and bringing the kitchen forward, I guess, is is the way to say that, to make sure that customers understand why the food tastes better. It tastes better because it is better, but we need to finish telling that story. So you'll see more of that from our brand moving forward. Well, I think the best marketing is is obviously a a great product. So I think that's a, a... 
a good starting point. Uh, yes, the best starting absolutely. point you could have. And we've and we've been doing that for you know throughout our history. So uh, it certainly has proven to be true for us. Now I've got a, a few questions I ask each of our, our interviewees, and the first one is. Are there, is there anything that you do on a daily basis that, that helps you stay productive or any tools that you use or, or routines? I haven't been doing this very long, but it's proven to be amazing for me personally, just as a marketing professional, is I really try to shut down email <laughs> during the day. So I respond at certain points during the day, but otherwise it becomes overwhelming and you know it's hard to be always on. And so I've, over the probably the last 90 days, I've kind of been very tried to be very disciplined about when I re- respond so that I'm not not interrupting other thought processes and other meetings to respond to needs so I always try to do it very much at the end of the day the middle of the day and the end of the day um, and that's worked really well for me just to stay organized and on top of things but yet be responsive um, the other thing I try to do is always respond um, same day I, I try not to let things go beyond the day if possible. And so how do you, are there any tools that you use to, or do you just turn off notifications or you just have really good self-control that yeah. you don't look at email? Yeah, I absolutely turn off notifications. I actually, if I'm walking into a meeting, I try to leave my cell phone in my office. So I'm just trying to be better about those types of things. And then the other thing I think is just being disciplined about it. And I personally have not always been very disciplined about that, but I think it's been amazing to me how much um, when you're, focused and you give yourself the ability to be focused, um, how productive you can be. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's, I, I, that has to be hard to do, leaving the cell phone behind. Because I was just thinking the other day, I was scrolling through or checking notifications on four different social media apps and and email. And I was like, yeah, I'm a slave to this thing. What? It just takes so much of your time. Yeah, it really does. And then, but if you also give yourself, you know, 90 minutes at the beginning of the day or 90 minutes at the end of the day or time over, sometime in the middle of the day, you can get through a lot if you just are also focused on that instead of also talking to people or, you know, so it's being focused on the task at hand, I guess, versus being all things to all needs all the time. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, is there anything that, that you have learned over these past few years that you wish that would have made your job a lot easier? Or I guess if you could go back and, and tell yourself something when you were first starting your current role as CMO, what would it be? I think having an awesome team is so important. I think before, maybe earlier in my career, I tried to do everything (laughs) and tried to be knowledgeable about everything and say, okay, well, I can't coach somebody. I can't be a good mentor to someone unless I know what they're doing as well or I understand their day-to-day as well. And that definitely has proven to be false. <laughs> is that if you have a good team around you and you have good people and there's and you're respectful of each other's talents and there's a lot of trust in the relationship, that a team is always better than a single person. And and I wish I would have known that or even had the ability to consider that when you know when I was first starting my career, is that I didn't have to do everything or know everything early on. It can be a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> it is. And I think it's about trust. You know, you have to, um, obviously, if you spend time in relationships and get to know people's talents and people's abilities and their own desires and what they enjoy doing in their day-to-day work, 
but it takes time and in my time instead of trying to know everything and do everything could have been better spent building relationships and it would have gotten me further i'm sure of it <laughs> no. it saved a lot of stress and late nights <laughs> <laughs> so are, are there any books that you frequently recommend to people well, uh, certainly I am an avid reader. So another thing that I wish someone would have told me is to read, watch, do anything in terms of pop culture. I think that's what makes a great marketer. Um, currently, I have a lot of counterparts who will say, oh, I, I'm not an active tweeter. I don't really know Snapchat that well. I don't follow anybody. I don't post videos or anything like that. And uh, Or I've never watched that show that's you know, in the top 25 right now, or I'm, I don't know what that new network is or and all of those types of things. And I think in order to be a great marketer to say, you have to be a great consumer of all mediums. So not that I'm always tweeting or always using Facebook or whatever. Um, I'm certainly active and I'm certainly watching and learning all the time. And I think even on TV, which some people say, oh, I never watch TV or, oh, I never watch Hulu, or, oh, I don't know that current show is... I always try to watch a few shows each year that I'm unfamiliar with. I always try to listen to new different kinds of radio stations that maybe I wouldn't always prefer to do, um, just to make sure that you can understand multiple perspectives and multiple influences on, on, on your current customers. So one of the first books that someone gave me when I first started working in the restaurant space was called McDonald's Behind the Arches, uh, written by John F. Love. And it really talked about the history of McDonald's and how they grew from a single concept and and uh, started with thinking about malts and shakes to really becoming a national brand. And whenever I've talked to thought about or encountered unique situations, it's funny to me how I'll think about this particular book. And how, oh, I read that about that. I had a similar experience in that particular publication. The other book from a different side of marketing, but I think is really good and just kind of always makes you think about consumers is Then We Set His Hair on Fire. And it's written by Phil Duesenberry. And it's just stories and ideas coming from an account planning or consumer insights perspective in advertising. And so that was another book that, very early on I read in my advertising career and it's it's something I always reference back to in my mind hmm. as we think about campaigns or marketing. That's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to give both of those a read. I, I love the McDonald's books because it's just a, a framework of, of what a successful, I guess, the originator, the franchisee concept. I, I completely agree with you. And it's interesting to me how many, how things in history always still circle around, <laughs> you know, um, the experiences they went through and uh, different challenges, you know, are certainly things that we've encountered uh, as a brand as well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and, and share some of your insights into, into your work in Taco John's. Absolutely. Where's the best place for our listeners to go find out more about uh, what you guys have on the horizon and, and uh, a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. It, it actually is perfect timing. We're launching our kind of new website at tacojohns.com here in just a few short weeks. And uh, so they'll kind of have a new online digital experience when they visit the site. But also, you know, we are very active on social media platforms. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, etc. We try to put our messages out where 
a lot of different types of our customers can see them. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Billy Joe. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity and and hope you enjoyed getting a chance to know Taco Jobs. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.